Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. So before we get started with this week's episode, we wanted to remind you of our Patreon community. Patreon is a platform where we hang out most of the time, mm-hmm. um, and it's where we share extra stuff, just whether it's recipes from me, writings from Rebecca Pete, um, direct communication with you guys. That is where we have extra content, like um, additional episodes on hot topics that we can be a little bit more off the cuff and spicy about because it's not on our normal <laughs> episode. It's not on iTunes. It's not on Spotify. iTunes. Yes. So, um, Anyway, you can pledge much like you would PBS or any other pledge system um, yes. to support us monthly, and you will get extra stuff and our eternal love and support. And you also have the opportunity to have a say in what we talk about yes. on the podcast because yes. you get to communicate with us as well as us communicating with you. And we will tackle issues. I mean, you've basically got a chef and a theologian in the palms of your hands. <laughs> and if you don't know how to find us on Patreon— it's www.patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash woven in him. And we'll have that linked in the show notes. For so sure. Check it out. And here's today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back. This is the last episode in our marriage series, and we're going to go out with a bang because today we're talking about the really fun topic of mutual submission in marriage. Um, what it means, kind of maybe more importantly, what it does not mean. And to have that conversation, we've invited back our friend Courtney Ellis. Um, Courtney, do you want to? I know you were on recently, but just in case anyone hasn't heard that episode, will you give a brief uh, intro to you? Sure. I am a co-pastor. I I minister alongside my husband, Daryl, at a Presbyterian church in Southern California. I'm a mom of three littles and author of a couple books, Uncluttered and Almost Holy Mama, because I'm not holy yet. So we're working (laughs) on it. And we've interviewed her about both of those books, and we'll link those previous episodes in the show notes. They're both really wonderful. Um, We thought you'd be a great person to talk to, though, because you work with your husband, so maybe you can tell us all of your secrets with that, but also <laughs> diving into it. So where do you want to start with Well, this? yeah, and definitely because we wanted to have someone on that I felt like probably has worked through this themselves. So you're a woman in ministry and you're married and you're married to a pastor. So this topic I felt like is um, very confusing, especially mm-hmm. to women, but to men too and to couples and um, especially women in the church, like what, what are our roles? What does that mean? And then what does it mean to, mutually submit to one another. So that's kind of where we wanted to dig in. So I guess my first question is, I'm assuming your views on this have evolved in your lifetime. So, <laughs> so do you want to talk about that a little bit? Not, you don't, we don't have to get into like what you think yet, but just more of like how, how you've kind of, cause I can say for me, how I've transitioned through my thoughts on this. Um, maybe we need to define what submission is kind of go from there. Sure. Yeah. I, I grew up in a, in a church that doesn't ordain women. And so it had a more, um, more conservative view of women's roles and marital roles and things like that. And it gave me a really good scriptural foundation for my faith and for my life. Um, but it has been a bit of a journey and a bit of a progression for me. And, um, the reason I personally have shifted from, 
the primary focus being wives submit to husbands to that idea of mutual submission, which is the very next verse in that passage in Ephesians, uh, submit to one another, um, is is because of a study of scripture and a deep love for scripture. It's not because, gosh darn it, it's 2019 and we need women's equality. Um, It's born out of a love for scripture and trying to get deeper into uh, what Paul was talking about, what the culture was teaching and uh, the the roles Jesus has for us as husbands, as wives, as partners, as teammates, as uh, who's getting the baby tonight because we're both really tired. Yeah, definitely. So how have you seen kind of that play. First, let's talk about submission. Okay. So I'll give my, what kind of my trajectory of how I've evolved. So I, um, I did not grow up in a Christian home and I also grew up in a home that, um, full of very active feminists and very, a very liberal household from, in that all aspects of, (laughs) of everything, a very liberal household. So I grew up very much of, you know, equality, um, every, and being the same and everything's the same and everybody can do the same things. That's how I grew up. And then I became a Christian and I became a Christian, um, in Texas, uh, the height of the Southern Baptist. Um, I went to a Southern Baptist seminary. Um, I married a Southern Baptist. So (laughs) you were all in, all in on the Southern Baptist thing. All in. Yeah. And um, so I kind of worked. So I had to kind of go a different direction because I think there's a balance in this subject. Right. So like there are it's at least it's obvious to me and I hope it's obvious to most people listening that women and men are different we're different. We bring different things to the table and, and, and God is not neither male or female, but it has both, both of those qualities. And so I think it's okay for us to say that there's different like roles and different, um, um, abilities or not just a different way we view things, not abilities. That's not the right word because giftings, gifting, not g- even giftings, because I think men can be gifted in things that we traditionally think are women and that kind of stuff. It's more of like, we just view things from a different perspective and we bring different things to the table, both good things. Right. So, but on the other side of that, like I had skewed way too um, far another direction that was very hard for me to wrestle with. Like I, I, I constantly felt torn between my, childhood, which I felt like was too far one way. And I was being pulled too far another way. And that other way I felt was the only way for a really long time. And um, as of has most of my beliefs, as I've gotten older, I've become more in balance. This is one of those things that, have, that um, has come into balance. But I just feel like for a long time, the church has focused so much on the women submitting. Um, and, and I mean, church by the evangelical, you know, what we would consider the conservative evangelical world has been so much. We forget that God um, calls in a marriage both people to submit. So can we talk a little bit about what we mean when we say submission? Because I think women hear that most of our listeners are women and they're going to like want to turn off the podcast. We're going to talk about women submitting. So So do you have, what, what would you say is the definition of mutual submission? Yeah, I would, I would define submission as self-giving love. So when it's mutual submission, it's mutual self-giving love. And I think it goes all the way back to the very beginnings of creation, the book of Genesis, where God says, you know, I, you are one flesh, right? The husband and wife will be united. They will be one flesh. And there's this idea that if something is hurting, my husband's name is Daryl. If something's hurting Daryl, it's hurting me. And if something's hurting me, it's hurting him. And I should want his good and his flourishing as much as my own. And he should want my good and my flourishing as much as his own. And so there's this interplay of it's not, um, 
I'm under him or he's under me. It's right. I think part of the trouble we get into in the church when we focus so much on wives submit to your husbands is this idea that the husband gets 51% of the vote. Mm -hmm. And, and if you have 51% of the vote, you have the whole vote, right? Like that's any courtroom drama, any boardroom drama you see on TV, as soon as they get the the majority share, it's all over because you can fire anyone you want. And it's not (laughs) 51, 49. It's, and it's not 50, 50. It's 100, 100. It's Mm -hmm. fully in on behalf of the other person, on the same team in everything you do, which in a lot of ways is way harder. It's way harder than than a hierarchy. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about, because we're pulling a lot of this from the Ephesians, Ephesians 5 passage, um, and I'll link to it in the show notes so people can know what, what we're pointing to when we're talking about mutual submission and where it says, wives submit to your husband, which it also says, husband loves your wife, love your wives like Christ loved the church. We can get, get to that in a second. But um is this, like, I think we look at Paul writing that and we think, man, that is like really backwards because we're living in this modern time. But when Paul wrote that um, in in Roman society um, and what was happening then, that was extremely progressive. And I think we don't view it through the lens of the culture at the time, mm-hmm. but for him to even, even give any kind of inch to mutual submission or to say, husband love, husbands love your wife like Christ loved the church, like that would have been what would have been radical and pronounced right now. We say women submit or wives submit to your husband. That feels like out of place to us and, and like radical because we're in this like postmodern women's lib movement. And so like, that's what stands out to us. But when he wrote that letter, what would have stood out to them was the fact that they, that he was giving value to women and like viewing it from that perspective, just remembering to view scripture through the cultural lens too, I think is super important. Yeah. Right. And the next piece of that verse is, like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, right? Like Christ died for the church. Yes. So in a way, like I have to submit, but Daryl has to die. So I've got the better end of the deal. <laughs> if you want to think about it that way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I know I was thinking about uh, going back to Genesis because I think a lot of times um, when the, the the people of the persuasion, and I don't want to get too deep into like complementarianism and egalitarianism because I don't want to put people to sleep. But, um, but like when people, a lot of people, when they only focus on wives submit to their husbands and then that's like what they go with and they take all the scripture passages that they feel like fit into that um, lens they use the Genesis passage of you know if Adam was created first and women, a woman was taken from his you know ribs and all of those things and um, they they take that as and then we get to the curse and you know the wives you know the part of her women part of their curse was that they would try to rule over their husband and so people like draw this like linear conclusion from that right and I, I this is going to a joke this is not going to something profound, but like <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, what part of our curse is in childbirth, pain in childbirth. And I'm like, you know what, that really sucks. But that only sucks for those like couple of times that we give birth, but mm-hmm. you know, husbands have to toil yeah. in the weeds, you know, not saying that women don't toil in the weeds. And I think that that yeah. brings to this, like, just because it says X for this and Y for this, it doesn't mean that like we don't also toil in the weeds and there isn't some pain for them in childbirth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, Mm -hmm. I think we just get so literal with the translation. So what would you say to someone who, I'm assuming you've wrestled through this, um, to someone who says, well, these scriptures from Paul seem to contradict why our mutual submission. We see him say mutual submission, but all, all these other times we say, we see him giving headship to the man. Like, where's the balance in that? 
Yeah, the the Ephesians 5 passage is really two different ways of describing the same thing, right? Yes. He's he's coloring out the illustration by not just using the exact same words for the husband and wife by saying it's like this, it's like this, right? It's this it's this interplay and the fact that that mutual submission verse comes right after it is it's interesting because the NIV, I'm not sure the new 2011 NIV, but the 1984 NIV translation puts a header right there. So you have this wonderful passage on wives and husbands and then there's a break and then there's a, a a human created, right? Like not divinely inspired heading that says like roles in the church and it, it breaks huh. it so that if you're preaching, yeah. you're going to stop after wives and husbands and you're going to be done unless you read a little farther and read into that, submit yeah. to one another out of reverence for the Lord. And and that's part of what Paul's doing is he's a wordsmith and he doesn't want to say the same thing in the same words because yeah. he's going to put his, like you said, he's going to put his audience to sleep. So let's describe it from a different way. Yes. Um, but it's two different ways of describing essentially the same thing in language that his early audience could understand. And I love your your um, your comment that that would have pricked the ears of the early audience. Like, wait, 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 husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. Like that's extreme. Whereas right now it's the wives submit to your husbands. We're like, whoa, 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 that's extreme. And yes. it shows the danger of cherry picking one verse, right? Well, yes. scripture says X, so we do X, right? Right, yes. but it also says Y and it says Z and there's this whole arc and this whole trajectory and we need to read it as a whole and interpret it as a whole, especially when we come to these passages that to our postmodern ears sound kind of terrifying. <laughs> we, well, we need to sit with them. Yeah. And I think about it, like just the radicalism of, of scripture, like we look at it and we think we, we read with the gospels and, and, and if we really read and dig in, we see the value Jesus put on women that most Jewish men did not um, at the time. I'm not saying Jewish men now don't. I mean, at the time, the Jewish society was very patriarchal and there was not a lot of value placed on women or children or slaves or anything else. If we want to like bring it all, all Ephesians all the way through to all the ways that Paul was um, radical and what he talked about and how we, how we're all, you know, at the same equal footing. But um, Jesus, if you read through his stuff too, he's so radical in the way he treats women and as is Paul and, and, and the way he treats the other and the way um, the church is supposed to be this place of mutual submission. Um, You know, we're, I'm also called to mutually submit to Rebecca. She's, we're, we're church members together. We work together. We're fellow Christian sisters. Like we're called to submit to each other too. And I think that that word has just become such a bad word. Like, like, yeah. you know, and, but at the time, like Jesus's treatment of women and Paul's treatment of women and slaves and um, the Gentiles, um, everything, like all of that points to, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And like, that's, what's radical. And I just, it's so heartbreaking to me that we have taken one verse and made it into this into this like thing that we're going to die on because I think a lot right. of churches die on this when wives submit to your husband women submit to the headship of men um idea that like it's just tear, torn apart churches and it's I don't know it just really is distressing to well, me I was gonna ask why do you guys why did Paul specifically say men love women submit like why did he yeah, I, I don't know. I've heard different I, arguments. I've heard that like, it doesn't come as naturally to men to like love on their wives. They're more like aggressive. Like, I've heard different arguments. I'm just curious. I've heard people think. draw it out to talk about how men need respect and women need love. Yeah. And so that's, I've heard that argument. I think 
there's some truth to that, but like I need respect and Daryl needs love. And I honestly think it's two sides of the same coin just described in this way. And part of what Paul is doing is he's, he's reclaiming this original Genesis language of one flesh and loving each other in this Mm -hmm. deep, profound way. Like it's like your spouse is your own body because Mm -hmm. that's Genesis one and two. And then by Genesis 15, Abraham is sleeping with his servant Hagar. And, and by, by Genesis 20, he's lying and saying she's his sister and Mary starts to get really messy. And it also starts to get really fraught with this contractual language, right? Mm -hmm, Women mm -hmm. slowly become more property than people. And and by the New Testament, Paul is working to reclaim this. And Jesus is working to set women in their proper place, which is, like you said, equal at the foot of the cross. Slaves and masters, women and men, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, young and old, right? There's There's this reclaiming of this original creation idea that we've so lost that we almost can't think our way into it, right? There's uh, 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about how husbands and wives shouldn't withhold sex from each other. Yes. And the, the Greek language there is pay the debt. You should pay the debt to each other, right? So it's it's contractual. It's you owe him this and he owes you this. And, and it's so hard to talk about marriage with all of the trappings that come with it. And Paul is trying to slowly reframe this. What does it mean to be in this partnership? What'd you say? As an unmarried man. He's trying to talk about all this. I'm not saying that we should discount everything that he says about human relationships because he obviously was divinely inspired and the Holy Spirit, you know, and and he was, but he is coming at it from an unmarried man perspective as is Jesus for that matter, but he's also God. So I guess he can do that. But, uh, (laughs) but, you know, it's just interesting to see him because I do feel like there's a lot of wrestling in his writing. Like if you really dig down into it when he's talking about relationships and and also relationships within churches and how we treat one another in the church and how we do church discipline there there seems to be a lot of wrestling as he's writing and I think sometimes we look at it as like oh well Paul said it exactly like this so this is how it plays out but there was like a working out that was going on as well um in him and in the churches that he was speaking to and it he uses slightly different languages when he's um or slightly different words when he's writing to different churches because things that were happening in Corinth were different than the things that were happening in Ephesus and um and so that's why it seems to contradict itself versus us seeing that he He's like speaking to his audience and mm-hmm. he's working out all the church is working out how to be the church and Christians are working out. How do we be married and be Christian? Um, yeah. and that was all brand new. It was, brand you know, new. the church is brand new. How do we set all these things on marriage is as old as time itself, but yes. the church was brand new. And Paul was writing often in response to issues or problems that had sprung up. Yes. Mostly the letters aren't like, Hey guys, great job. The letter is like, okay, knock that off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And I mean, like in Ephesus, you know, they were, there was, there were um, Greek temples that were run by female priestesses and they were like the religious leaders. And so he has to speak to that because the women in Ephesus, when we're starting the Christian church, they're going to have to like, they're so used to being in charge of the religious atmosphere in the city that he's, he's trying to allow the men to come in too, so that there could be Mm. this balance. And so he's having to counteract a lot of that, but we just try to take those words and make them now, which in some ways that's great. We should apply scripture to how we live now. Um, but like it's more the heart of the scripture that we're supposed to apply to life now. I mean, we also don't all walk around with head coverings and I you don't. And oh goodness. We need to talk about that. You guys got to get some head coverings. <laughs> I mean, I don't wear head coverings to my church. I don't know about you, but we, we aren't required at our church. So um, if we're going to cherry pick, we can cherry pick all day long. So, so why do you think it's gotten this way? 
So I think there's always power dynamics involved. And I think people interested in power will always try to interpret scripture to their own advantage. And I do want to make sure we we talk about that in this podcast, that if someone is in a relationship where there is abuse, um, under the guise of you need to submit to me, that they need to get help, that they need to get out, yes, that they need yeah. to talk to someone. Um, because those power dynamics are are significant. And that's why this idea of mutual submission and mutual self-giving love. I think submission has gotten a really bad rap um, in the postmodern church because we read that as women be doormats. Women have no self, right? Have nothing that you need exist purely to keep your husband happy and run your household and manage your children. And that's not at all what Paul is saying. We see Paul raising up women, Priscilla. We see him raising up Junia. We see him raising up these women as disciples and apostles of the church. And he he loved women. And in no way is he saying women like lay down and let the men walk all over you. That's, that's not what's going on here. And that's why that idea of mutual self-giving love is so important. And part of mutual self-giving love is having a self that you can give. Yeah. Is saying, you know, this is who I am and these are my gifts. My my husband and I talk a lot about, you know, we share a home, we share a family, we share a church, we, we share all of these things. And it's given us this perspective on the other person's gifts and strengths that yeah. it, early on in marriage, it was okay, who gets to say on this thing? And now that we've been married almost 13 years, there's more of a like, oh, this is your wheelhouse. Like, this is what you're great at. I trust you mm-hmm. in this area. My my husband is our gardener. He loves working with his hands. And so when he says, you know, we need to plant dinosaur kale out front, I'm like, <laughs> sweet, dinosaur kale. Sounds good. You know, I'm not like, no, actually, I have a better idea. Yeah. And when we're leaving for a trip, he has no child packing logistics part of his brain. He was tragically born without knowing how to pack for children for a trip. And so he comes to me and he says, what should I do? Right? And I've got it. And I've got a spreadsheet and I've got a plan. And we've learned not to try to trump the other one in these areas. But when it comes down to those decisions where one person's going to win and one person's not, I think part of the question is, how do you make that decision? Because it can never be a trump card. It can never be because I say. It has to be prayer and thoughtfulness and discernment. And I mean, you know what it looks like when a relationship's out of order, whether it's the woman who's running everything and the man is kind of henpecked and doesn't get to have any opinions or whether it's the the man is on top and what I say goes, it's it's tragic. It's horrible to watch. But God calls us into this mutual submission in the church, uh, but especially in marriage, that there is this constant, 100% 100% self-giving love. Um, it's so hard, but it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that when, when I first got married, I was really afraid to submit because I had seen like unhealthy, like advantage submission. Yeah. Get so, married and lose yourself. Get yeah, married and become who he wants you to be. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, I'm self-aware enough that it didn't get that bad. And Chris is very vocal, but he was kind of like, you need to like back. Cause I was trying so hard to like have power. Cause I was afraid. So I yeah. think we do. I mean, we're kind of saying like men do this and generally I think that's kind of, but women do it too. I mean, I did it and it's, it can be hard as a woman, especially like I didn't grow up Christian either. So this whole thing was like, what, like, what does that mean? And having to learn and then all the bad information and the, yeah you know, bad definitions of submission, you kind of go into it and you get defensive and you're like, well, I'm not going to, you know, I need to look out for myself. Right. So what would you say if you're, if somebody's listening and either maybe they're the person who needs to be submitting more, or maybe they're in a relationship, as you mentioned, where the power dynamic is off, like what, what's something, how can we work with that? Yeah, I think 
having conversations around it, if your spouse is open to talking it through, is can be really, really helpful. This is the place where I don't feel seen and heard and valued, or this is a place where I feel like I'm steamrolling you and I don't want to mm-hmm. do that. Like, I'm sorry. And and Daryl and I have that conversation off and on all the time. And sometimes okay. I'm the steamroller and sometimes I'm the one who's not feeling heard and to bring those things into the light and you know, those times I'm the steamroller, I realize like, I don't like that quality myself. Yeah. Like I'm getting my way, but at what cost? Like it's icky, you know? And, mm-hmm. and times where I've said, you know, you didn't, you didn't hear me. Like you didn't see me. And I feel, you know, it's not even about getting what I want in this instance. It's about being seen and being valued mm-hmm. and having my opinion matter and to be able to have those conversations. And sometimes, especially I think in seasons of parenting where it's school pickup and drop off and sports and this, like, how do you make time to have that conversation? You may, you may get one date night in six weeks. And do you want to spend it doing that? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, but it, but it's, it's so worth it. And, and, then those conversations start turning into just micro conversations because you have the history, right? Like I didn't feel seen there. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. How can I do that better? And it's a three minute thing rather than a three hour thing. Uh, But to just keep those avenues of communication open. uh, My husband and I always go back to same team, like same team. We are on the same team. One of the things we're talking through right now is the homework load that our first grader is coming home with because he's getting a lot of homework and we're kind of not on board with that, but we're trying to figure out how do we same team it? He's got a PhD and his thoughts on education. I have not a PhD, but I see this kid coming home like shell-shocked from from homework at age six. And we've had already a series of conversations. How do we come to this place together where we stand as a team with his teacher? um, And it's not about me getting what I want or him getting what he wants. Yeah. It's about about what's best for our son and... um, both being heard and being understood. There's Mm -hmm. nothing better than that. There's nothing better than being heard and understood, being seen and known. And that's what it's about. Yeah. I always, um, I I think, because I think it's hard sometimes when you're you're at an impasse. So a decision, like a decision to, let's take moving, for example, like, or changing of job or something. And one spouse thinks one thing, one spouse thinks another thing. And like somebody, somebody at some point, they're either agreements going to have to be made or somebody is going to have to give. Like, it's just a part of human relationship. There's points where we have to give and there's points where we have to like come to agreement. And I know we, you know, we pray for you unity and and all of that but at some point some at somebody's side's going to have to win and I hate to use the word win but somebody's decision a decision's gonna have to be made you can't be at an impasse for something forever so what would you say to someone listening who may be in the middle of that right now like what would your advice be your pastoral advice be to a couple who are like need to make a decision but disagree but they don't want to like they're tired of fighting about it they just want to a decision to be made but neither one of them wants to give up their position yeah, and those decisions are so hard when, like you said, it's a move or yeah. do we have another baby or yes. right? Like they're binary decisions. Example. There's no, like we can have half another baby. You can't do yeah. that. Like you gotta be all in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say in those moments, uh, I would encourage people to take those decisions and go off individually into some prayer. Um, just take that decision and hold it before the Lord with absolutely open hands and make it about what God wants, not what you want, not what he wants. And that's why that 51% is, is death to a marriage because in those decisions, then the husband's like, and this is what we're doing. And I've decided, Mm -hmm. but the goal of mutual submission is that you're submitting to each other, but first you're submitting to Jesus. And there is not a decision in your life that God doesn't want 
to help guide you and to help guide you in a way that brings you closer to him and closer to each other. Um, we, we had a decision like this years ago. My husband was deciding between two PhD programs. Um, and I had a lot of thoughts on which one we should do and which one we shouldn't do. And he had a lot of thoughts because he was the one going into the program, but it affected where we lived. It affected my job. It affected all these different things. And we, we both took the afternoon and we just spent the afternoon in prayer and wrote down what we felt like we had been hearing from God and discerning in scripture and came back together and the decision was the same. Um, And it surprised both of us because we both were wrestling and it was actually a third thing. It wasn't even the two things on the table. It was a totally different thing. Um, But that's the goal is not try harder or argue better. It's if it pushes you toward God, there's a win. Um, And if we hadn't gotten that answer that day, we would have had to take some more time and some more prayer. Sometimes God's timeline is not ours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. The, the times that, you know, Dave and I have been married 18 years. We've been together for 20. Like we've, we've had, we're both, and we have both very strong personalities. Like, yeah. like we're both, we're three and eight. We're very, both aggressive personalities. We're both always right. I don't know how that works, but we're both always right. So <laughs> you're going to run the world. Yeah. So, but we have to make decisions, right? Our family, we have to make decisions about how many kids we're going to have moving, selling a house, buying out there, you know, these big life decisions that you make where our kids are going to go to school, you know, all of that. And so, um, we've, we have time and time again, like we duke it out, but then we have to like, we have to pray and what is God's decision for this and not what, what's our decision. But, and if, and if, if God's will, and this is the hard part, if, if we've determined that God's will is the other person's want to, right. then like we have to learn to deal with that. Like as the person who didn't get what they wanted, but know that it's God's will and, and, and see God's um, direction and guidance and then help him to get us on board with the decision, which I think is hard sometimes too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting um, trying to come to that conclusion. Um, our pastor always says, what does he say? Um, if you can't come to a decision until you can come to a decision, you go with the slowest person. Yeah. We were, Chris and I were arguing about, well, no, not arguing, but I didn't want to get our kids baptized. I wanted them to choose it when they were ready. And Chris wanted to have them baptized as babies. And so we kind of were going back and forth and that was the advice he gave us. And I know that he gives people on a lot of things. It's like, go at the pace of the slower person and, you know, just to not, override yes, yeah. anything. And yeah. I thought that was, yeah, that, yeah. that's really And good. I got my way. I think, eh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think that's Sorry, great advice. To, <laughs> that's great advice to a point, unless mm-hmm. there is someone in the relationship who will slow things down forever. That's good. Right. Um, yes. Cause right. we have, there are some friends we have who have just been just circle in the airport for years right, because right. one person's afraid to land the plane. And so I think there's there's a piece of that too, that if you're the faster person, it's going to be slower than you want. But can you say, hey, like yeah. in six months, we need to have this figured out or in two years or when the deadline for the next program comes or, or whatever that might be. You know, for, for us, we were talking about third baby, not third baby. And spoiler alert, we have a third baby. But um, <laughs> part of that was after a certain age, I don't feel as confident carrying a pregnancy because it's going to get harder for me. And so we need to make this decision Mm -hmm. by X day. And, um, and Daryl was actually the one who was more on board with the third baby than I was. I was like fear and trembling, man. And (laughs) then I threw up for seven months, but she's beautiful. We love her. She's great now. (laughs) So glad we have that third one. So, so glad, glad now. 
So what do we say? And we talked about this when we were talking, we were planning the episode. Like, what do you say to, so this, this is great advice for two people that are totally on board with mutually submit, mutually submitting to one another. And I'm not talking about if you, you, you mentioned already, if you're in an abusive relationship or, or power is being lorded over you, that's different. But like, what if you're just in a relationship where like one person's committed to mutually submitting and the other person is not on board with that? Like, how do you, how do you relate to the other spouse when you feel like you're not being heard or you feel like, like, um, you're, they always make the decision without you and none of it's like an abusive or like drastic thing, but it's enough that you feel like emotionally overpowered. Like how, what, how do you, what, what advice do you give to that spouse? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard question. It's, it's harder still when that other spouse is not a believer, when that spouse yes. is just not coming from any sort of a place of, of Christian tenderness. Um, and I think that's a really, that's a decision by decision, case by case, right? You're not a doormat, but to be able to say, okay, God, I'm submitting to you in this. And mm-hmm. what does that mean for me in this decision? Does that mean we never again go to a restaurant that I like? <laughs> or what does it look like to stand up for myself in a way that still honors my spouse who may not be honoring me in the midst of this? And and sometimes there are just simple practical ways you can say, you know, we're always going, this is such a silly example, but we're always going to eat where you want to eat. How about whenever we're going out to eat, if it's an even day of the month, I get to pick. If it's an odd day, you get to pick, right? And yeah. you don't have to bring Jesus into it at all, but you can remove that part of the power struggle. Um, like we do with our kids. I do that with, well, I, have yeah. a, I have two children totally. and I totally do that with my kids. I'm like, okay, totally. this is, this is your, you get to sit in this chair on these days and you get to sit in these. And it sounds trite, but I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. And there are also, I mean, there are things that you're not going to budge on because they're part of your, your Christian faith, right? Like I'm taking the kids to church on Sunday and I'm just going to take them. And I know you're not on board with it. And I'm, I'm really sorry for that. My, my great grandma, who's part of the faith heritage of our family, um, prayed for her husband for over 30 years and he was an alcoholic and just you know, he was a, he was a, a wonderful man and he loved his family, but he was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to church. It's nonsense. And she prayed for him for 30 years and took the kids every Sunday for 30 years. And one Sunday he woke up and he was like, okay, I'm going, I'm going with you. Yeah. And gave his life to the Lord on that day. So her mutual, her mutual submission was to be a wonderful wife to him, to love him. She was a great cook. She did all these things, but she was like, Sunday morning, I'm going to take the kids. Um, And not to be mean, not to be a jerk, but I'm going to do it. And so there's that piece too of you submit to Jesus first. And when there are things like that, you're going to say, I'm going to follow Jesus in this and I'm going to be the most amazing partner to you I possibly can be. But this is where, this is a line for me. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, no, that's really good. Like the, the respectfully saying, but still, so even if you feel like the other person's not mutually submitting or doesn't, isn't on the same page as you spiritually or whatever, like respectfully sticking up for yourself or respectfully saying, this is important to me. I'm going to do this. Yeah. But do it in an air of respect and also give in your other way. So because I think I know lots of times with my aggressive personality, I'm like, I'm going to die on this hill, which means I'm also going to die on all these mohills, too, because it's like comes right. a package deal. And like having the wisdom be like, OK, this thing really is important to me. And I am going to die on this and I'm going to do it respectfully and kindly. But these other molehills, like I'm not going to die on them. And I'm going to give, too, yeah. so I can show an example of what it's like to like give and submit. And I think that at least that's really hard for me because I yeah. want to have all the hills to die on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to die on them all. And I have to like, you have to pick, you have to pick, then you know, you know, which ones are the ones that are important and the ones that aren't. And that makes the other person way more likely to listen to you. Right. Cause she probably did submit on so many other small things so that when she was yeah. talking to something, he probably noticed. 
Right. If it was, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and I'm going to nag you every minute of the week right. that you're not going to church and I'm going to burn your food. And you know, right. She was a yes. stay at home mom. So her whole domestic f- sphere, she could have made it terrible for him. And she did it. She was yeah. like, because I love you, I'm taking the kids to church. It wasn't, this is my thing I'm doing and I don't care. Yeah. That's a good distinction. Yep. Tricky and topic. It is. Is there anything else that you would say, um, on this topic or just like rounding out marriage. If you want to give marriage advice in general, since this is the end of our series, like, yeah. um, you know, we, we've talked about the Enneagram. We've talked about mutual, sub- we're talking about mutual submission. We've talked um, about what else did we talk about? Oh, infidelity in marriage. And kind of that comes out on Tuesday and not just sexual infidelity, but just all areas where we struggle to be honest and vulnerable with our spouses. And then it causes this like spiral that turns can turn lead to things that um, aren't, aren't good. So we talked about that, but I, is there anything else that as a wise woman of the cloth and <laughs> someone who's been married for 13 years, like, because we talked about in our first episode, yeah. we gave kind of like our like tools and the things that have really worked for us. Is there any other outside of mutual submission and being on the same team and making decisions the way you talked about it? Like, is there anything else that you would share that has like really been helpful to you and Daryl? One of the things we've been doing lately is uh, Brene Brown and her Netflix special that just came out talks about using the phrase, the story I'm telling myself. And uh, we have found that to be so helpful in marriage because often we're reacting to something that's not even going on on the other person's side, right? So for me to say the story I'm telling myself, I I have a 10 month old baby and I'm working through that whole postpartum tuck your tummy into your pants thing, right? So I have moments where I'm feeling very insecure. And I've said to Daryl, like the story I'm telling myself is that you're embarrassed to be here with me because I don't look like I used to look. And he's like, the story I was telling myself was UCLA lost that football game. And I'm like, super bummed, right? And so to be able to just find each other faster, that phrase has been so great for us because often what's going on emotionally for me is nowhere near what's going on emotionally for him and vice versa. And sometimes there's something very deep going on for him about a church meeting that he's really wrestling through. But I see a grumpy look on his face and think, oh, like he's mad that I didn't pack the kids' lunches or he's mad Mm -hmm. that this. And that phrase has been a lifeline for us in finding each other in the midst of the chaos. What's the story you're telling yourself? That's That's really good. That's really good. Yeah, it's not from Jesus. It's from Brene Brown, but she's pretty great too. Yeah, she's yes. pretty great. Yes, and I and I wouldn't. I don't think Jesus would contradict that statement. So I think that he would agree with that. Mm-hmm. So any, yeah, anything else? I think it's just helpful to remember. Like, we don't want to be like paranoid of the enemy, but like we do have one, and he doesn't want our marriage to work. Yeah, and a lot of times, like that tendency to to not be on the same team or that wanting to fight, like you just have to kind of step back. And like, some of that is us just in our flesh, but sometimes there is like some spiritual stuff going on too, that we just, you know, God really loves marriage and it's really good. And Mm. I feel like when I've had times in my marriage that just for unexplained reasons are just hard and we're at each other's throats, a lot of times I'll just stop and pray and be like, something maybe is going on here. So it's just something to like keep in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. We don't need to go on a witch hunt for it. We don't need to be paranoid, but like, just remember that we have an enemy too. Definitely. Yeah. And a piece of that, I think is one of the best things you can do for your marriage is to have friends, good Christian friends who will support your marriage Yeah, because your marriage can't sustain all of your relationship needs, but you also, there are seasons where you're at odds with your spouse and you need to talk to someone who's going to pray for you and push you back toward your spouse. Yes. Right. We all know those friends who are like, oh yeah, he is terrible. Oh yeah. You know, men, blah, blah, blah. Not that friend. Right. But the friend who's like, gosh, I went through something similar like this with my husband and here's what we did. Or let me pray 
pray for you and you're not crazy and we love you guys. And one of the best gifts we were given at our wedding so many years ago was a, a group of friends sat us down and said, we just want you guys to know that marriage is hard and there will be a point in your marriage where you struggle. And if you guys ever get to a point where you're like, we don't know that we're going to make it, you call us and we will get on a plane. Like it doesn't matter Aww. where we are, we will get on a plane and we will come and sit with you because we mean it when we are witnessing these vows and like mm-hmm. lean on those friends because you need to work stuff out with your spouse, but you also need friends who will help you work out your pieces of it. You need those friends who will say, Courtney, you're being unhelpful. And this one actually isn't about him. It's about you. And yes. how can we help you yes. so that you guys can come back together? You need those friends who will call you on your stuff in your marriage. Yes. Which is not always fun. I definitely have never those. fun. Yes, <laughs> I do too. I, I feel like too. my friends like my husband more, and they're usually oh, like, that's yes, not true. No, seriously, some of them are like Rebecca. Chris is great. And I'm like, he really did suck today, and they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and friends who will let you say that too, right? Yeah, and then yeah. not pile on. Like yeah. you need those friends. I Daryl and I had a had a theological disagreement about the tooth fairy this week, um, because that's what happens when you're both pastors, and it involved him telling our son who really wanted to know if the tooth fairy was real, that the tooth fairy wasn't real five minutes before school started. So you can imagine how well this goes, right? There are tears. And then there's like, don't tell your classmates, don't ruin the surprise, blah, blah, blah. And so we're having this big, you know, theological thing, Daryl and I, and I had to text some friends, like, I think we need marriage counseling now because of the tooth fairy. And like, they knew it was a joke and we all laughed and we've been to marriage counseling. We will go again. We won't go over the tooth fairy, I hope. Um, (laughs) But you need those friends too, right? Who can laugh with you because marriage is hilarious. Like two people locked in one marriage. Good luck to all of us. It's a whole thing. Was this started? It's a beautiful, holy, wonderful thing. And it's, Was that because of that meme that was going around about how the tooth fairy was pagan and like put the bone under your pillow, little child? Did you see that? It was like, put the dead bone under your pillow and a fairy will come and tit. Like it was Wow, absolutely. I haven't heard that. No, it was just about, we don't ever want to lie to our kids. Yeah. And so I was fine with him telling him the tooth fairy wasn't real. I just wish he would have delayed it until after school where we had a little time to like, and here's a snack and here's a hug. And it wasn't like, and now go to public school and good luck to you. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) Yeah, the timing. There's timing at these matters. Yes, it does. For sure. Just needed a little delay. Yes. Awesome. Good. Okay. Well, this is good. Thank you so much, Courtney, for taking the time. I know you have very little of it. So the fact that you took 40 minutes of your time for us, we are so, so grateful. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's super fun. I'll write another book just so I can come back. Okay. That would be awesome. Please do. Please do. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye, Courtney. Bye, friends. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye.